Hi, welcome to Cinemad. This is the first podcast where we've had multiple hosts, so I hope it goes okay. Uh, with me is Aza and Ken Jacobs, and um, recently I did a podcast with Aza. And how would you do an introduction for your dad if you had to tell somebody who didn't know his work? What would you say? And that could be our introduction for the podcast. Uh, my father has been making... Um abstract movies I guess since the 50s and I'd say the unifying factor is they've all been um, uh, focused on different ways of looking at film finding depth with or without um, utensils how would you call those without things? knives and forks Without nice and forks or, <laughs> or anything extra. Um, well, a lot of them are uh, observations of the world, observations of, of film, as you say. Um, some are, some are politi- political, and um, many are just pictures, you know. But they've all been... Woven pictures. Wouldn't you say they've all been... Um, Focus though on on seeing these things in ways that we haven't seen before. I mean, even when you find the found footage, you yeah. you, you you don't edit it down, or you you, you use you, you utilize it in ways that you know shows things that we're not accustomed to seeing. Yes, I want it to be startling. I want I want eyes to open, minds to open, uh, as, as as mine does. You know, right? So you're the Either replicate, but it's never like you're replicating the the experience of the first time that you see you, you saw this situation. I always like the, you, the 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 surprise that you're talking about. I always feel like um, you go through the you go through in the process of making the films as well. You're not trying to replicate something you had seen That's right. before. Yeah, and also very often the the process of making it is the process of of revealing it. Even to myself, yeah. And and that's and from what I what you told me, what mom and dad has told me that you that it, it kind of began with you getting an analytical projector, right, when you got out of the Coast Guard. Yeah, that was the I, I knew that such things existed, and uh, I went for it, and it cost more than a sound projector, and all it did was uh, put through. Uh, four hundred foot reel or ten minutes of film, you know, backwards and forwards, at uh, different speeds, and uh, you saw the flicker. It did, uh, only later on was I able to, um, what was there invented, and I was able to uh, get flickerless analytic project- projectors. So that means that you already sensed that there was something that you weren't seeing, that you weren't catching in normal projections. Right. I wanted, I wanted as, I, as I thought of it then, to get on the inside of film. Um, I was, I was in, in the Coast Guard. I was in Alaska for like 13 months, and there's movies every night. And um, I guess that was a bit obsessional. I mean, we were on uh, a uh, what are they called? There's nothing around <laughs> except water. <laughs> on this island and um, 
I think I oh I think I knew before I, I was on the Coast Guard that I wanted to make, I wanted to make film. So at uh, about seventeen, uh, I discovered the uh, Museum of Modern Art, and after going there for a while, discovered they were showing films, which astounded me. And uh, then I began to see American films of uh, the past and foreign films, and, and you know whatever the museum would show. Did you tell anybody this? Was there anybody that... I, I was very isolated. But I, even, yeah, I mean, even when you were stationed in Alaska, was it something that you'd, were you... No, I don't remember ever mentioning my interest. i got to say that I've always been envious of this idea of being kind of snowed in to the point that you just were stuck there with books and... And, and 12 guys and a dog. Well, not that part. I, like Don't envy. Don't... <laughs> <laughs> I just like the idea, though, of not having kind of the pressure to produce anything for a while and just to kind of I was intake. To, I was trying to uh, stay out of uh, being useful, okay? I was, I was in the – I couldn't get out of the military. Um, the draft was on, and um, I tried to say I was a conscientious ob- objector – which they dismissed, right. and uh, there it was. I was being called in, and I wanted to be as useless as possible. So then, you 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 buy this projector. You start kind of basically um, finding out that your intuition is correct. That there is a lot more to be discovered between the frames and between within Absol- the flicker. Absolutely, yeah. And also, that process itself began to. Uh, Intrigue me, you know the flicker, and uh, I, I, I became attached to to uh, not just discovering something through, the, through this device, but what, but how the device itself presented cinema. Okay, which was far away from telling stories. It's strange because you know I think growing up I always um, try to picture the work. I always felt like, oh, this work would be so much easier without the flicker. The flicker is the hardest thing to get through. You You wouldn't say so? I mean, you know, when I wanted to, I wanted to have a more normal papa. God, more normal normal papa. Sounds like a rock song. More normal papa. No, Um, but when you say that in a lot of ways, like um, the the flicker is, is, not only is it, you know, ins- inspiring you, but it's also kind of the hurdle to jump over too. And well, the flicker first of all separates the frames, and I was interested in doing that, to seeing the separate frames that create the uh, create the, the illusion of movement. Okay, mm. and later on, um, uh, picking up on uh, discovery by Alphonse Schilling, uh, where he. Uh, he, uh, he was using a stereo projector showing two frames of, uh, of uh, you know of a stereo shot and um, I had intru- introduced him to um, the Pulfrick effect which is a whole other story and he was trying to create it without without the audience having to wear a, 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 a black filter or a dark filter in front of one eye right and um, 
there is a tradition of uh, exterior shutters uh, moving in front of the lenses, the lens, and he try, and he applied that, trying to make the uh, perfect effect happen without a perfect filter, and he got something else. And um, after time, he urged me to use it. I did a work called Shilling to honor, acknowledge the right. gift. And uh, he was very angry and said, I only meant for you to use it in your studio. And that's probably the last time yes. you guys spoke, <laughs> I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> but quickly, I think what happened is like a, a bunch of other things opened up for you. The more that you pushed into it, the, you just started going down your own avenues, the way these things happen, and a whole other directions yes right that would have to happen but all unexpected and uh with star spangled to death i was told you know you might say shooting conventionally right and not dealing with the with the flicker almost 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 completely uh not dealing with the flicker um and i was still interested in in uh you know, the composing of the shot, uh, going from one shot to another, that, 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 that didn't have the same intensity for me afterwards. Right. I mean, you're, you're great at it. I'm, I mean, I'm astonished by, by what you do. But uh, that, um, that moved aside as my main focus. But you kept it up in terms of documenting your life. I mean, you always were shooting... Yeah, it you was. know, to a certain degree, if, if it wasn't not, if it wasn't film, you were shooting stills. But then, definitely, when there was video cameras, you shot. Yeah, but I never knew what is what is going to do with them. You know? But now it's starting to now, be used. Yes, now I am using. You're going back to yeah. a lot of the right um, have, uh, the stereo pictures that yeah. you took. I have, I have this uh, new film which no one has seen yet, um, called uh, Cyclopean 3D which is 3D uh, you know, for one eye, Cyclops, subtitled Life with a Beautiful wo Woman. And uh, that's like 43 minutes, and I expect to do at least one more chapter. And it's, it's using uh, uh, 3D photographs of uh, you and uh, Nisi and mom and friends over the years. And you have a new work that, that is going to premiere? Seeking the Monkey King. It's also 40 minutes and uh, the whole whole other process. Uh, well, I guess um, I'm hoping that people are going to get to see this film soon enough. I guess in New York, um, we have it. Uh, you know, I got to see it with the whole collection of work yeah. last week. Yeah. I think, you know, it <coughs> for me, it quickly became one of my favorites. I think that... Um, it was really interesting because you kind of introduced it um, by talking about seeing Lord of the Rings, be, like the the 3D. Yeah, I, I saw the 3D. I, I didn't really see the movie. You didn't see the movie. I mean, you didn't know what the story was, no, and this is probably yeah. the fifth or sixth one. That's and I and I haven't kept up with them. I, it's you know. But as a spectacle, yes. you experienced it. The 3D was and phenomenal. I haven't seen it either, but I, I got. I did get this feeling, this the, that 
I felt like there was an influence of that Are you viewing. Are you no, mad? <laughs> no, no, because it, it it has this it has this big movie music. Yes, but that 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 happened a whole other way. No, no. Are you way, sure? No There's no way, way that it could like. I, I, uh, hated, have... I hated the music in. Uh, mm. the... But I'm not saying that. Obviously, you're not inspired in that way. But I felt that there was this. There was a much greater sense of narrative yes, in okay. this film yeah. than I've it's experienced. A, it's in a, the a, past. It's called a movie music. Okay, it's very, it's very uh, dramatic. It's, it's out there. And also <laughs> the way that you're putting the images with this, with this music, yeah, is definitely following a story in a way that I'm not used to seeing you do. Honestly, it's not coming from Lord of the Rings. Okay, Lord of the Rings showed me that what Hollywood is doing. Uh, leaves all of 19th and 20th century modern art to me to do in 3D. They are—they are fulfilling fairy tale uh, illustration, which was great. And what they're doing is great, but that's what it is. It's all within illustration, and uh, all the uh, other possibilities of of having f- fun with 3D, they, they 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 don't touch. They don't come near. So you don't think that part of your process is finding out by what's going on what things you want to either push away from or or go in opposite directions? Or it doesn't help your path at all when you see some something like this where you go, okay, this that mountain, this mountain is open for me because it's not being touched by anything well last night you saw Slater's uh, game okay right uh, let's connect we checked out this connect uh, thing where you're inside the game right yesterday I mean if, if anything that's, that's sort of kind of an impediment to me I mean that's such a a, a baffling amazing technology you know mm. you're standing there with your avatar on the screen Following emotions, oh my God, it's it's bizarre. Uh, are, are, are people having sex that way? I, 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 get, I yeah, I'm sure. I, I think that's the first yeah. thing that anything, any technology gets used for. Yeah. There's been documentaries on people trying to have relationships through Second Life, oh. but never even living in the same city. Oh, so painful, and yet. I shouldn't say that. You know, it may be their only way out. Well, I think this kind of leads into, I mean, in Seeking the Monkey King, there's this kind of momentous music, this yeah. incredible imagery, and then there's these texts of things that I think you both um, abhor and are inspired by. Well, the texts are my, quotes rent, Okay. My my understanding, I mean, to say a political is, is silly. It's my understanding of what's happening where we are. But it's it, so you're utilizing in a certain way. You're, you're using this to comment on how you're feeling about the world, and you're also using the work itself to kind of insulate yourself from. Yeah, yeah I'm not using it. It is what the work is, and uh, I uh, I didn't. Tend anything in the beginning, you know. Uh, Jason Drakeford, my uh, assistant for this thing, and I were 
experimented with some things. We I had an impulse to investigate, and it just took us from one thing to another thing, one possibility to another possibility, and all the things that that uh, how it grew were all uh, unintended um, occurrences that came you know that came to mind one after the other, and it came to be a piece. So while you were making it, were you? At night, writing some of the yes. text that we see, and then the a, next day you would try. That's right. At a certain point, I began. I began thinking about the text. Okay, and we exactly what you say, and we tried it. And it stayed. And then there's also this series of people that you, um, you not pay tribute to, but that you you acknowledge as. Great people. As great people. Yeah. So it's not just a rant of against the world, but it's also kind of uh, says some of the great things of this world, great yeah, things that has come and, from this world. I, I hope for more people to break through and uh, achieve. Could you list some of the people? I mean, I, I just some of the names that you used, that uh, you put down there? Probably the most startling is Fred Astaire. He's sublime, amazing. Um, Lady Day <laughs> is mentioned. Uh, Stan Brackage is mentioned. Um, um, Marais, the, uh, the, f- the French f- f- physiologist who uh, really did the, the most important uh, discoveries in time and, and image. You know, the, when you see all those uh, superimposed horses or um, people doing calisthenics or whatever and you see a number of images on, his, on the same mm-hmm. on the same uh, image that's uh, Marais just great and uh, there was a soon after or maybe at the same time there was uh, Henri per- Bergson a, a great French uh, philosopher who picked up on these, this interest in time and so the, I mentioned these guys yeah I mean I think it's you know I think what's I mean I think Ray's own Spoke when introduced or talking about he talked about this kind of schizophrenia that he oh. saw, but I don't see it that way as well. I think that I see it as this kind of one mesh of things that you're kind of a. It's it's just it's just a reflection of the world around you, the what what you're thinking yeah, about. I mean, schizophrenia is something else, but I definitely am using two. I'm working from two polarities, okay? The image and what's going on there and and these reflections on the world outside, the world that we're in right now. Uh, and I want, I, I, I'm fusing them in, a, in an unexpected way. Do you think it's also fo- focusing us back to allowing, so that, so that the work doesn't become just a reflection of our dreams and that it kind of focuses in a way so that when we're looking at it, we're also seeing how these things relate to the world that you see? I think there's something in that. You know, I don't want people just to Rorschach, you know, away. <laughs> and uh, I think I, I feel, as you know, very threatened. Not, uh, not personally, but we were all very threatened. And uh, people are blundering and uh, they're absurd and they're murderous. They're crazy, and so I, so that uh, that when I'm not making work, that's what I'm obsessed with. Okay, right. and uh, uh, this 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 uh, the obsession worked into the film. It 
it declared itself. I think that's. I mean, I'm. I. I think it works really well. But I also remember other works that you've done that I felt like even though um, you didn't use text, kept it very much focused. I remember there was one that's kind of had this like heart. What was that? There was like a, there was like this kind of heart image, and it was right after. You know, you had some health issues. Yeah. Do you remember? Yeah, there was. What work was that? But you couldn't help but see. Yeah. Mom has to be uh, Yeah. An answer. But, I, uh, Mike, I, I actually did a piece mm-hmm. where this uh, 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 is concerned with heart. I did the work. You know, there was something of that up there. Because you were having heart trouble? I had. You know, yeah. It was, and it had a big impact. It was like being, I described it at the time as being uh, hit by a car in slow motion. Mm. I'm glad the works accommodate <laughs> the, these concerns. Yeah. I, don't, I don't aim to do it. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's um, just a testament of them being uh, just reflective exactly of what you're, uh, you know, following your own path and being reflecting exactly what's going on and kind yeah. of all these different levels. Yeah. But is that how you stay interested? And, in like, how how do you keep your interest going in finding footage and reworking it? I'm hopelessly in, <laughs> immersed in this. There's never any question of... Uh, you know, sustaining interest. I never get bored. Never. And I'm always uh, delving. I'm always in the midst of something. Do you feel a completion with the end of a film, though? Like you did accomplish something, or maybe there's a chapter that's done? Oh, yes. I feel very... I feel great. This is this is together. And also, now I can leave it. I can go on to something else. I mean, if there's anything that that house that you and mom have uh, yeah. created is a constant source of of fuel for your work. That's true. Right? Yeah. I mean... He's, say, he's saying our house is messy. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's busy. That's what he's saying. How do things find their way into the house? I've stopped. But I'd, uh, <laughs> I was... Uh, I mean... It, so many things would, would pass on the street would be interesting to me and I would drag them home and uh, it became too much of a flow so I, I really stopped that but you know we had a, I had a, a great broken umbrella collection at one time do you still pass by things in the neighborhood that are, are people much more because of like uh, 9-11 stuff much more not putting stuff on the street I, I'm a, you know uh, people People with money have moved into the area, and they put out amazing things. Uh, but no, I've, I've learned how to keep walking. <laughs> <laughs> so amazing things is in terms of furs also, and jewels, also, or that's, what? That's right. Also, I would, I would have to drag them up to the fifth floor, you know, uh, on those steps. That's no fun. And mom's not going to help you anymore. <laughs> she, she's very, she's very strong. Um, no, there's no room. All right. So are you in the you're 
You now work with... You know, it's really a problem. I mean, it's a joke and it's a problem. And I have thousands of books. And I've given away thousands of books. And uh, they, you know, they just... They see me coming. And I'm, I'm now reading this one. And uh, every, every so often I try and get rid of books, which means picking them up and saying, well, what is this? You know, did I read this? Oh, maybe I didn't read it. Uh, let me take a look. Uh, maybe it's, it can go. They never go. I have the same fascination with them as I had when I, I originally got them. So we just keep piling up books. This is an amazing book. Well, yeah. That um, I say, from chivalry to terrorism, uh, from chivalry to terrorism, Leo Brody, who teaches in this town, uh, war and the changing na- nature of mas- mas- masculinity—can't say this word—masculinity. Um, amazing book. I mean, what kind of research he do? And he and he writes to be to be understood. So will that Leo will, Leo Brody? You're great. Will that wind up influencing something that you're working on now? Would you say? Or I, I can't tell. I mean, uh, I don't I don't make plans like that. Uh, things just click into place, and I go. Yeah, I like, you know, I mean, I, it always reminds me when you suggest things for my own work. <laughs> so <laughs> The way that you think, I can't even think it's possible. Yeah. You know, like, you, you don't see a restriction, the, the restrictions that I see. Yeah. And it's just... um it it reminds me constantly because you go, well, you, why don't you try this or this yeah. or think about this and yeah, they're useless ideas. I'm sorry. No, they're n- <laughs> <laughs> no, they're not. That they're actually um, they're kind of great reminders of how confining that I can you know find myself or start thinking that there's these these rules that you have to adhere to, and then you know I'll even see in narrative work work that reminds me oh those rules are just self-inflicted you know yeah. these aren't uh, self-inflicted rules yeah I think it's important to be open to um, checking out what, what the mind is coming up with okay and I think I've gotten very very good at that okay so all, all things will occur to me and I'll I'll, I'll stay with them, and I'll pursue them. And are you, are you working on more than one piece at the same time? Or yes, do you... yes, usually. And I have I have three different um, assistants, and I, I work on different pieces with <laughs> with each assistant. And they assistant. come in shifts, right? Yes, they yes. on different days, or there's different, different people on the same day. No, no, different days usually, unless something is uh, has to be done right away. Yeah. And so you taught for how long? I taught for I taught since my teenage years. I taught uh, taught in the police athletic league. Uh, taught uh, kids, you know, painting. But teaching film at SUNY Binghamton. SUNY Binghamton, about uh, thirty-three years, maybe thirty-four. And then, basically, I always felt like once you stopped teaching, you just 30, kind of thirty-three. Sorry, you yeah. picked up the pace that you must have been at before you started teaching. It was like you took a yes thirty-four year. Yeah, I did to, stuff. To raise the family and right. to... Yeah, I did stuff. But um, <clears throat> also, during this time, digital video came about. 
and that lowered the cost of making works and sped up the process. So it was really hard um, while, while, while I was teaching, commuting back and forth from New York to upstate New York and Binghamton. Uh, it was t- very tight for money. And um, I, a, lot of, a, lot of work, a lot of the, um, the investigation went into live performance with film. Right. One thing, I could afford it, and I could see results in front of me. And it was great. Hmm. So there weren't that many films from from the period, you know, completed films. But there were wonderful works that a few people remember. With people, with digital especially, and like basically the death of 16 millimeter, you know, a lot of people fetishize the format. Do you feel that connection to the format? Do you feel like something left or is it not bothering you so much? I'm, I'm not one of the people who was bothered by it. I, I, <clears throat> I, I greet uh, digital video as a lifesaver. Incredible. I love it. So I wonder I, where I, I... I love film. I cared about film. And this is, this is the new girl in town. But I think Mom is the film... She is. She's the, I, I must have gotten that from her. Yes. <laughs> I'm not so faithful to film. She right. likes the physical nature of it. She does. She yeah. She likes the format, and she made it very difficult for me for me to go to a widescreen format. But now that's where I am. That's right, because she's really one three three is yeah, is her thing. Yeah. <laughs> tradition, tradition. <laughs> Would you like one eight five or scope? I like. This format, 69, 60.9, yeah. yeah, it's very, very good. Yeah, as you pull out your, my, your camera. My Fuji uh, W3 3D camera, right. which I uh, am not, not to be seen without. See, I'm shooting stills and movies all the time. Wow. Yeah. But the whole time growing up as well, you had a, a 3D camera. Yeah, still, uh, my still camera. film camera, yeah. And now a lot of that work... Those pictures you're using, yeah, for work because they're stereo optical. That's right. Yeah, and at the time I, I, I didn't know where they were going to go. I just uh, had the uh, the uh, the unswervable impulse to grab things in 3D. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad I've lived this long. I'm glad the technology has come around, and it's come you know cheap enough for almost anybody to use it. Did you always get that sense that it wasn't just going to be this kind of, you know, short-lived... Uh, no, no, no. Just blended on. So, not much planning. No, planning. <laughs> I have impulses. Do you feel that the 3D replicates life the way you see a certain way, or is it an effect that it just is its own experience? Because, you know, there, there's yeah. the idea of the theater as your head and you're looking mm. out into the world. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, movies that you read, you know, of course, the flat screen. I mean, there's many movies I, j- I just revere, okay? But uh, um, I had a, a great painting teacher, uh, Hans Hoffman, and he made, he made one very, very aware of uh, things in space. So the model... 
would usually, usually, be, usually be chosen for her, her weight and her ability to just sit and uh, hang in space, okay? Um, and uh, you could have a mo- the same, one model holding the same pose for week, weeks at a time, as I recall. And he didn't, uh, like before that, I had classes where there were quick poses, okay? Quick poses. And uh, beautiful people would strike striking poses and uh, very quick, and you, 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 you got something down on paper, you know, automatically, you went on. So this, this was something else. Somebody was asking you to steep yourself in this phenomena, okay? Until things began breaking through, okay? And, uh, and what, what broke through essentially was open space. Um, I was told there was a thing called negative space, positive and negative space. So when an arm is like this, this is as much of a painting, the space between your arm and the side of your body, as anything is. Uh, the, uh, the face is made up of, of, of inroads of space as well as projections. And uh, one became very, very aware of this. And uh, then further... I became aware that um, uh, contemporary painting, at least since the Cubists, was very involved with um, more than one reading, that more than one spatial reading possible to a, to a two-dimensional work. So um, all this became very vivid for me and would eventually you know, come into the film work. I felt that I was doing something more gross than what was done with painting as I got into illusion, illusion, illusionistic depth, illusion, illusionary depth. Um, gross meaning ugly? Meaning that th- this wasn't an understanding of depth picked up from a two-dimensional surface which could convolute any number of times. Um, it was it was a convinc- convincing illusion, but I I played with that illusion and made it do things no real world could do. Yeah. Did you ever wind up showing? Did Hans Hoffman see any of your film work? No, but he was very accepting. That I met him one time in the street after he had stopped teaching, and I, you know. No, no more was going to classes. I just broken up with a girl. He asked, you know, uh, he asked me how I was. Um, I was miserable. I was dead broke. And um, he asked me how was my, my work coming along. And I said to him, "Well, I'm working mostly in 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 cinema." And uh, and then it blurred out. I think it's the. Uh, <laughs> I think it's the art of the age. <laughs> and he listened. He was so nice. And he said, yes, wonderful. Well, you know, you can do anything. Wow. He was great. Were you ever able to express to him some of the influence, the impact that he... I didn't talk to him. He was, you know, he was, he was the closest I've ever been to God. So uh, I just listened. Do you think he's somebody that if you had said, you know, um, the, the, try to 
say the kind of impact that he was having or the effect that he was having, he would have been able to take that how he would have responded to something like that or it was just not? No idea. And he'd been teaching many years, you know, so many years. Uh, I don't think I was that distinctive. Uh, and I felt I had nothing to say to this guy. You know, I'd better just listen. I just, you know, I just, I mean, from... I, 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 the, the memory of you talking about Hans Hoffman goes back as far back as my sure. memories. He's, he's been a constant kind of uh, right. preference. Do you think that there's been other artists that he's had the same? Endless. Imp- God knows how many. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it isn't just his ideas. It's the you know it's the idea of. This, this spatial awareness is coming from Europe. It, it wasn't, I mean, there's a, uh, what's his name, the water, people, the guy known as Mosia Watercoast, John Marin, is a great artist, okay, American artist. And he's very sophisticated, but there was, there was very little of that. So he was coming from, he had been there the, the, during the, during the, uh, the Cubist uh, explosion mm-hmm. in, uh, in Paris. And he was imbued with these ideas, yeah. So he was, he was getting the word out over here. And would you say that was? I mean, I definitely feel like, you know, uh, being your son, I've been told constantly by your students, ex-students of yours, um, past students of yours, the kind of impact that you've had on them. Would you say that some of the way that like that was some part of your goal to try to connect to people the way that Hoffman was able to connect to you or to inspire you. No, I, I thought I thought I was a better teacher than than Hoffman. I was much clearer. Uh, he never really learned English very well, and uh, he he created many obstacles to understanding by his his uh, ill use of English, and um, I really pursued things with. Uh, I wanted the kind of teaching. I wanted to do the kind of teaching that I would have appreciated receiving. So um, I wanted to um, explicate, get to it, okay? Show people how something actually worked. That was really important to me. And I could, you know, use language where Hoffman could not. And you were also utilizing classes to investigate the things that you wanted to learn about. Absolutely. So you would see something, Wizard of Oz, or you did a course on Wizard of Oz, didn't you? What happened was Nisi, <laughs> Nisi was fixated on the, on the Wizard of Oz, okay, as a little girl, and, I mean, uh, like three years old, and she would sit there with these huge uh, earphones on, listening to the track as she played and did it, you know, did her own art or whatever. And after a while, uh, enough leaked out of the soundtrack for me to say, what? What is that? What is it? What are they saying? What is going on in this movie, which I dismissed as a child's movie, you know? And and I was shocked by uh, how alive that film was with idea and re- and re- reflection. So I wanted to uh, understand other movies better and uh, open them up for people. But you didn't know that film as a child yourself. Yeah, it's a movie. Yeah, you see a movie, and then you see another movie. <laughs> could you? Do you remember? Could you? 
name some of the other courses that I remember you did a course on the devil yeah the devil in the movies the devil in the movies or devil in cinema or whatever but yeah the devil in the movies do you remember some of the other courses uh, we were talking the other day about uh, motor mounting to Jonestown because uh, you know a lot of hell was taking place in the country uh, with uh, um, black people uh, saying enough of this shit, you know, standing up to things. And then it went over into a kind of uh, black fascism. And uh, I wanted to deal with that. So uh, there, there were movies around like Boys in the Hood and things, you know, in this neighborhood um, that um, I felt the need to, to deal with, with students, okay? I was discovering them with the students. And you were, I mean, a lot of ways a very tough teacher as well in terms of, like, you didn't let, there was no coasting. No. Right? I mean, there was no. nobody that was good. You wouldn't allow people to just sit in there thinking, I mean, because like, you'd get a lot of students that would go there thinking it was going to be an easy no, I can film class. I hated them. And so you tried to get them out as I quickly did. as possible. I, I, I showed, uh, I think the first day I would show Flickr by Tony Conrad. <laughs> which is you know beating people with uh, black white images and I would show Arnold Reiner by Peter Kabelka so you were trying to use a filter uh, just we, to we, yeah we went to something else kids okay we're going and so would the cla- the next class would there be a whole chunk of people gone oh, yes and, and that uh, was the good chunk to be gone basically oh absolutely the bums the the the, the medical students <laughs> the lawyers but athletes yeah it was really I mean Binghamton is kind of known as a business school no it wasn't back then no, as well it, to no it was, it was called the uh, oh god I can't remember what it was but uh, it was it was known for a lot of radical Jews from New York going up there to teach yeah, her yeah but I always got this sense that um, I remembered hearing a lot about parents that would be very upset at you because they had sent their <laughs> kids learn, to learn how to make a living yeah and then I told them in the first day of class you're better equipped to make a living <laughs> than you you will be at the end, end of this course <laughs> 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 and there was and then there was this, this strange uh, thing of seeing me being a professor in front of the room so it seemed to contradict what I was saying but unfortunately, I didn't. Not really. I, I was an anomalous. Right, because you didn't go to college I didn't go to yourself. college. I don't have a high school diploma. I, I was taught at some point how to read. You can do a lot with that. And the Coast Guard didn't care. I had a lot of time in the Coast Guard to read, and uh, I was reading good stuff. Did kids come to when Nick Ray was at Binghamton? Did kids attach like that was a reason to go? I think that could have been, uh, but Nick Ray did not pan out well. He uh, he had uh, drug habits and he had uh, he had uh, problems with uh, having been famous, you know, and uh, he just wasn't. He wasn't. He was a, I think a very exceptional person. Was, who was very messed up. And uh, he left us, he had a three-year contract and left after two years. 
and went, went across the country sending back bills <laughs> for the school to pay. And then he somehow, oh, I heard that he had a heart attack, which he was overdue, and after that sobered up. And um, I, think was, I think he was a pretty good teacher at NYU after that. But for us, he was a terrible. Would you see it as a chance to, was it somebody that you admired from his films? I admired They Live By Night, mm-hmm. which I, I, I just, I, I watch it in awe. So you saw that as an opportunity to help out somebody who was like on the downside of the career? Yeah, yeah. and Larry Gottheim, who's also in the, in the department, uh, and I felt, well, if we give him a supportive environment, maybe he will come back to himself. We knew we were getting a drunk and a blowhard, okay? Uh, but maybe he will come back to himself. Uh, that never happened. But didn't, did you and Mom hunt him down at a bar? I'm sorry. Did you guys did you guys find him at the bar when you went? No, to no, no. I, um, I there was an article in the in the New York Times about him having tough times. Okay, so um, I pursued uh, I pursued him and discovered he was staying at some place in the in, in the village, and I go there and um, I'm led in by a maid. And it's a nice, elegant place. And he's sitting in the middle room in a chair watching television. In the middle of the room by himself watching television. That was, that was pretty good. Uh, but uh, we spoke a little bit. We went outside. I remember leaving him in the subway and wondering if he, if he was going to go down the Bowery and lie down on the, on, the, on the pavement. So he was a mess. Right. So but we, uh, we decided... Let's have him come up and uh, do a show, whatever. And he came up and he, he one thing he wanted was all the equipment to be brought out, <laughs> which we did. Okay, so all the equipment was on tables, uh, and um, it, it ends up with me seeing a um, what was it uh, an air reflex lying in beer suds, and I can't tell you. That was sacrilege, okay? Uh, and then we went ahead and did the stupid thing. Uh, I called Stan at uh, Brackage at some point and said, this guy's fucked up, okay? And he said, There's, they, they last seven years. They go to Hollywood and they last seven years. No more than that. Hmm. See, <laughs> wait a second. <laughs> I don't think he's in Hollywood yet. Though, so yeah, okay. I'm <laughs> east of that. He's and down. East and down. But then, <clears throat> well, then it just must have been crushing just for someone that you felt was a titan earlier in your life, and then to see him as a human being. Well, some there were the wonderful things in him, you know, uh, this guy. I, uh, Nisi turned three years old. Flo was homesick. And he came over and during the course of the evening danced with Nisi to old 20s music. It was, And he danced with that little girl without uh, condescension, you know. It was, it was beautiful. And I, I remember that. So it, it, that was part of him too. I mean, there, there had been a titan there. Seems to me. Mm-hmm. But time goes on. Were there other people that you 
you that lived up to your hopes and that kind of had a form like uh, that inspired you from afar and then you got to know or got to, got to meet and either lived up to what you expected from them or not well I mean at a certain point in my life I understood that, that humans are mixed bags you know and uh that uh, you know something will come through the the mess and no I, I can't say I I have another disappointment I mean I, like they say Stan you know it's full of brilliant things and balmy things <laughs> uh, Peter's full of brilliant things and, and uh, uh, Kabelka brilliant things and balmy things and I suppose I am too uh, but I have no distance to myself you knew Stan's work before you uh, met him then yeah yeah well my God. Yeah, and he, and when he first saw my work, he was he was very condemning. Uh, so he saw Blonde Cobra, and uh, he was in pain. You know, it was, it was it was sick New York shit. You know, and eventually he he, he came around the long ways and appreciated it. But he never saw 3D. I don't think he ever saw 3D. Hmm. Um, when I we first met, uh, one eye went off to the side. Warlight is called. And uh, when he was tied, but uh, I'm sure he never saw 3D. He never missed 3D, and seeing 2D worked for him in, in his own work. And uh, recently, we learned that uh, uh, an unusual number of painters are are one-eyed. Hmm. And this article in Times recommended uh, to look at paintings with one eye covered, it's just to see what happens, especially. It's it's like a bomb going off. It's amazing. You know, you look at the cooning with one eye, and oh, it's in space. It's amazing. Yeah. I have this great. Well, I have a few strong images of Stan. Definitely, yeah. you know, we went, we'd go out in the summers, Boulder, where you teach yeah. alongside him, do summer courses, right? No, you. you, you he took the you, summer you, off, yeah, and yeah. you do. And this right. was like seven, not eighty, eighty-one, eighty-two. Yeah, he is few years I definitely remember you guys he would take you to the narrative films that were in the theaters and then he, he, he saw every narrative film that came out and, and then he, you guys would be arguing no he would he would he would not think about them he no. he would express uh, his, his dis- disrespect for these movies that he was addicted to and he would never think no, about I them. remember an argument over Raiders of the Lost Ark between you two that was that spilled that went all the way to the house <laughs> that he loved it Stan loved it I, th- I know I think Ken may have hated it more is that it? I'm sure he didn't hate it I'm sure it excited him he liked it right and then maybe you were trying to say that it was saying would he would he take these movies as saying things no, or would, was it he, just he, entertainment he wouldn't want to know what they said in my experience he liked the visceral nature yes and uh he took me to two Scorsese films, with, which have, which have, how can I say, they, they've scooped out places in my psyche. Uh, 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 one was oh the the, the first uh, very, huh? No, no. Uh, a taxi driver. Taxi driver. We saw that together, and then he he pulled me in to see Wise Guys or no Goodfellas. Goodfellas. Oh my God. You know, so I have a very low uh, violence threshold, 
And of course, the brain has no understanding of what movies are. The brain is coming from thousands of years, thousands and thousands, millions of years of development before there were movies. It knows nothing about movies. It sees these things happening. And uh, as much as you say, it's only a movie, it's only a movie, you know, it believes. So uh, the, 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 these things were really in, uh, uh, inflicted on me. <laughs> but it, uh, of course I love them, one wonderful guy. Well, so do you, do you find it a fiction to other avant-garde filmmakers? Because I found that is a little bit too much of a cliche that I'm, somebody making abstract and easily deemed difficult work only likes that kind of a film, but I think a lot of filmmakers that make the kind of work, they have so many more influences. They're not making um, weird, strange, pretty pictures on the wall because they like other people doing it. It's not that kind of an imitation most of the time. Well, we have a family ritual, okay? Um, we both work to exhaustion every day. We go to bed, and Flo says, as if she's saying for the first time, do you have a movie in black and white from the, from the, uh, from the early 30s, say uh, 1931, 1930 even, to 33? <laughs> 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 so we see uh, you know, these pre-code films, mm -hmm. and they're great. They're not movies of the 30s, they're movies of the 20s, because the 30s are just beginning. These people are, uh, Barbara Stanwyck is shaped by the 1920s. So if you want to know something about the 1920s, you see early, early 30s sound films. Um, and um, we, we know all the characters, we know this, the supporting role, you know, the people that support the, uh, the stars. And uh, I, I'm now carrying around eight uh, DVDs uh, film starring Warren William, which you're, you're supposed to co uh, copy and look at yourself. Yeah, I mean, I get, um, I, I'd say pretty much almost every week I get a delivery so, of DVDs. Yeah. yeah, what happens from then? you? We watch them. Oh, we good, watch them. Good. What do you mean? Uh, <laughs> you think it's just Goodfellas for me or oh, what? God. <laughs> no, uh, good, Goodfellas is great. Okay, it's just, it's more than I can take. That's all. It's a great yeah. film. Do you pre the violence from the '30s films a little more? It's uh, more uh, choreographed. You know, it's more un unconvincing, carefully unconvincing. So you're watching a movie. Uh, Off-screen, yeah. dramatic, over dramatic. Yeah, yeah. But once in a while, when you say you 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 probably get surprised by the level of reality. Even in those films as I, well. I don't think so. I think they no. stay, they stay within uh, their their da their dance steps. You know. Is it because? Oh, you know, there's the movie Freaks. That's another story. Uh, but uh, Freaks is uh, in bad taste and sublime at the same time. It's just one of the. It's like knowing a person. You know, who's, who's so uneven. Like last night we we talked about Jonas Mikas, Okay, what an uneven personality. Okay, it makes you crazy and uh, very endearing. And uh, freaks is like that. This it, you know it, it just can't be contained. You know. You have um, this is a good way to end it. Um, Azza told the story of how he met Diaz. 
but I don't know the story of. Do you have a story of how you and Flo met? What a story! All right, let's I like do it. That. I like his story. It's good. Yeah. The bike girl. It's pretty yeah, good. The bike girl. Yeah. Right. And he was so so sure he would see her again. I thought it was crazy. <laughs> you know. And and then one day he said, uh, well, the first time he said, I saw her. Okay, and you saw her? Yes. Yeah, she passed on a bike. Did you get her uh, number, a phone number, something? No, but I'll see her. And then she comes up to him at a party and says, "May I kiss you?" That's a hell of a story. Okay, mine's mine is just about as good. Okay. <laughs> um, nineteen sixty-one, summer of sixty-one, and uh, I'm, I'm almost always broke, always hungry. And uh, I would go sometimes up to the, the mountain resorts to get a job, uh, waiting table or busing, whatever. I was, I, was, I was a very angry young guy. I had already made Star Spangled to death as far as I, uh, as far as I could go uh, without having the money to, to, uh, for the labs, okay? So I, Blind Cobra existed, okay? But no money, no money, no fucking money. And uh, go up to the Catskills, no jobs. I go up to the Adirondacks, no jobs. A uh, job, a job working in a stable, but nothing to to, to bring it back to New York. I say the hell with this. Um, and uh, I know that Hoffman has a home in Province now, and that he has a, a a a barn that he lets other people use, and even though he's retired for some years now from teaching, he compulsively <laughs> goes around and gives crits, okay? And I, I'm, I'm, I had availed my, myself of that a couple of years earlier, I would do it again. I'm not going to make, make any money this summer, so I'm going to go. Which meant hitchhiking all the way from the Adirondacks to Boston, and uh, then out to the Cape. And uh, in Boston, I knew some people who were taking care of a uh, uh, historical home, and uh, they uh, I could sleep in a deep feather bed, and uh, uh, it was unbearable. You know, you sleep in this sack of feathers, uh, and uh, and then I, I, I they allowed me to clean their windows. And I earned three dollars, and I, I set out with that for uh, East um, Provincetown. <sighs> I get to Provincetown hitchhiking all the time, <clears throat> and um, it's a kind of a gray, sunny day, sunny and gray at the same time. And uh, I go out to the beach, and I begin uh, painting with um, black ink, very, very heavy. Printer's ink, which my uh, my landlord in New York had given me. Yeah, he's in the, print, in, the print, in the printing business, landlord. And uh, the beach is empty, the town is empty. It's, it's just a few days before the crowd comes. And uh, at some point, at some point, I see these two chicks scratching on the sidewalk uh, above the beach. The beach goes up to the sidewalk. And um, 
Um, I head up there while my uh, paintings are drawing on the uh, sand. And uh, I ask these two young ladies um, if they know of a place I can sleep, get a place to sleep for a dollar. I have a dollar left. <laughs> and the, bl the blonde... is amused and very up for this and she's got a, a station wagon and I, I told her I, I, I knew of this place just outside of town called Town's End owned by a guy called Town's End his name was Town's End and it was Town's End and he came from a, a rich um, Boston family and more, more of that I would learn later okay but he had a place that one could actually stay for a dollar. Mm -hmm. And um, so uh, she, uh, Alice agreed, we're still friends to this day, agreed, uh, the bond agreed to drive me out there. And I said, well, okay, I have to stop and get my paintings drawing on the beach. And um, Flo, the brunette, who thought I was, as she said, a Brooklyn punk, with uh, with a colossal nerve, and she, 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 they all they, they came down with me to, to, to get to get the paintings. Flo smirking. Uh, what what kind of garbage would this guy you know turn out? He thinks he's a painter, and then she was suppressed. And we married, and here we are today, fifty years later, fifty years. That's amazing. <laughs> it's as good as his story. Anything. It's at least as good. Yeah, yeah. good. Okay. <laughs> Do you still have the paintings? Yes. Yes, unfortunately. Yes. <laughs> no, Why could you try to sell them? No, they're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much for doing this podcast. Sure. Thank you. Thank you, Oz. Thank you. Thanks, Dad. Bye.